Dionisio at the plate. He's over two today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's oh, it's raining now. Another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the podcast where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. My name's Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. Uh, it is Monday, May 11th. Welcome to episode number 77. Uh, 77 today will be represented by Dave Parker's batting title in 1977, where he hit 338. It was the first of two consecutive batting titles for him. We're going to get a little bit more into that later. We're going to call it Rain Delay Theater History Class. Uh, or I don't know if I mispronounced that, Jeremy. I think I got it right. Is that what we're calling it? No, you got it right. It's, uh, you know, any, I, I hope that people aren't turned off by the history class part of it. Like, you know, you're going to get stuck learning about uh, some moldy old information, but uh, we'll try to make it. It's baseball. It's not fucking the Civil War. So, Right, right. And, uh, you know, this is how people are, are learning uh, in classroom settings these days over, uh, you know, over the, over the Internet. Uh, so yeah, exactly. uh, I, I guess it's appropriate. Um, even yeah. over zoom Jack which is how we're doing this episode so yeah we're, we're trying something a little different trying to hopefully get a you know optimal sound quality since we're you know for the foreseeable future we're recording this episode uh, you know uh, remotely but we're doing zoom so I can actually see you Jack yeah I can see you too Jeremy you're looking good you have a beard uh, <laughs> I haven't shaved since April 8th oh okay well I'm, I'm a little less impressed now then <laughs> I know. I, when I say that, I said that to some friends last night on a Zoom call, and uh, they're like, Jesus, man, it takes so long. Hey, listen, folks, I'm half Asian. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Can I, oh, can I use that as a segue into our first topic here? Yes, please. Well, speaking of Asian, uh, let's talk about some uh, Asian, more specifically Korean baseball, huh, Jack? Uh, the KBO, Korean Baseball Organization, uh, started this week, and uh, they were showing live games on ESPN. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're doing fanless games, Jeremy. Uh, the games I think are airing live on the wee hours of the morning here in the United States, but they're also replaying them uh, in the afternoon. Uh, I had a chance to watch the game that aired uh, Friday about three four days ago. Um, it was the uh, the Twins versus the Dinos. That's uh, the it, LG Twins versus the NC Dinos. If, if I'm that's if yeah, I'm that's correct. Uh, that, that's correct, Jeremy. Um, uh, yeah, and it's interesting how they're doing the broadcasting. Uh, John Siambi and uh, Jessica Mendoza uh, were doing the call for uh, for that game, and you know, they, they I think they were both in their respective uh, abodes, just yeah. kind of recording. Um, you know, just recording in front of a camera with a microphone, sort of you know, not unlike what we're doing right now, and just watching a live feed of the game. They had some guests on. They had Trevor Bauer on at one point. Uh, they had Jason Benetti on, which was cool. Um, yeah, and it was just interesting to see these guys play uh, in, in, in fanless stadiums, which is, I guess, maybe what's going to happen if MLB starts up. Yeah. Uh, hey, Jack, was John Shambi wearing a Pearl Jam t-shirt in that broadcast? Nah, he was wearing like a, a jacket. Maybe he had one on under his jacket, but okay. like he, had, he was wearing like a blue jacket. I think the game before that, he wore a Pearl Jam t-shirt, which is okay. kind of uh, funny. I mean, it, you know, he is broadcasting at like three in the morning, probably his time or whatever. So right. you know, I think whatever he's wearing is probably a bonus. But uh, but yeah, um, for, the first, for the first game, so Jack, I stayed up uh, and watched the first game, which was um, Monday night into Tuesday morning at midnight. It was supposed to start at like 11.55 p.m. Central Time. And I... Uh, 
you know, as the gods, the baseball gods for 2020, at least would have it there, it was a rain delay. Uh huh. So the game started about a half hour late, which, you know, when you're up at midnight trying to watch a baseball game, a half hour is crucial. Um, but yeah. as I, as I tweeted from our uh, Twitter account, man, if you stay up till midnight, what's another half hour, you know? Right. Um, so, so yeah. So, uh, and I, I've caught, um, I've caught at least parts of most of the games this week. I actually didn't see any of that game that you saw, Jack. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then I think there might've been one after that, that I didn't catch either, but, uh, but yeah, um, it's happening. It's awesome to see. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, the first, the first broadcast team was, uh, Carl Ravitch and uh, Eduardo Perez, uh, who I famously saw ordering chicken fingers at, uh, the Trop- at Tropicana field. Nice. In Tampa Bay. Um, but, um, yeah, oh, hey, they, yeah, you uh, you saw you saw Eduardo Perez. I've met Jessica Mendoza, so like that's our six degrees of uh, ESPN color commentators right there. Exactly, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna make a Jessica Mendoza, uh, Mike Fires well, <laughs> reference. But, but. Well, what what what's weird about Jessica Mendoza announcing that is there was all that drama, like when yeah. the Astros had been caught, like where she was like uh, she was ripping on Mike Fires for uh for coming forward and then like she either got fired or quit from the Mets I can't remember because she was like working as a consultant for them and I yeah. wasn't even sure she was still working for ESPN but yeah. apparently all of that has just blown over now yeah no I think she like she seemed to skate all that with ESPN um I do think she kind of stepped down from the Mets kind of partially because of like a conflict of interest or something I know that there was uh, a purported conflict of interest with her working for ESPN and for doing the Mets some teams didn't want her like in the locker room, I guess, mm-hmm. because of the Mets thing, which I guess is somewhat justified. But uh, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think she, she she seems to have skated a little bit on all that. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jack, so what um, from those games uh, that you watched, um, what did you think? Yeah, um, well, they uh, uh, Casey Kelly started yeah. uh uh the game i think it was for the twins um my memory my memory is failing me right now but uh but yeah casey kelly former major leaguer uh started the game i watched and uh did horrible uh yeah. he gave up like he gave up like six runs Ouch. in the first inning or something like that uh he, they said one of the reasons for it was that when he came back to korea he was quarantined for 14 days so he like missed a little time and they said he was he was kind of running a little bit behind i think that was their their third game uh, so they said he probably would have been the opening day starter uh, if that hadn't been the case. Uh, I think it was the uh, Twins as well. They had a guy named Roberto Ramos. Yeah. Uh, who was who? He hit like two home runs in the game. Oh, okay. uh, he played at Al, at AAA Albuquerque last year, which is the Rockies' uh, farm system. He had 30 homers and 105 RBIs. So he did really well. Like the guy seems like he, uh, you know, he's got some some pop. Uh, I guess there was just no place for him, um, you know, in the Rockies system, which doesn't really make sense because I don't know who their first baseman is. Like, who is it, Daniel Murphy or something or like Ryan, that? Ryan McMahon, maybe? Yeah, maybe Ryan McMahon. But it's like they can't—they couldn't give this guy a, a shot. He had 30 home runs. I, I know it's the PCL, but, like, they couldn't give this guy a, a, shot, a look, uh, at least in spring training. I don't know. Yeah, he, um, uh, you know, I from uh, you know my uh, card collecting that I've been uh, getting into. He's been in a lot of sets. Like I, 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 I heard of him through that, and he's like, you know, had some cards, like autographed cards, and recent sets. I have one of his autographs, and I was like, 
he's one of the prospects that I was like hoping would like come to the majors and do well so I could flip his card for some money. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, so he's in, uh, he's in KBO. Yeah. That was, that one was surprising that I, that he left because yeah, he, he hasn't, hadn't even played in the major leagues and you would think that he would try to strike out with the majors before going to KBO. But uh, I don't know. I think they, I do think like they kind of throw money at some of these guys. Like um, one of the games that I listened to Adam Jones was uh, um, a guest and he, he's, he signed to play in NPB uh, in Japan. Um, and I think they, they gave him like a crazy amount of money to, to go. Oh, there. wow. And he talked about the decision. It was pretty cool, actually. He talked about the decision, like what led him to to choose to go to Japan instead of trying to catch on somewhere with, with MLB. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing that you would think. It's just like, you know, why kill yourself to try to break camp with some team to maybe be like a fourth or fifth outfielder when you could go to Japan and, you know, make a good amount of money and, uh, you know, maybe be a little – you know, stick out a little more in the competition because it's, it's you know, one, like one level down of quality from uh, MLB. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, yeah. If this Ramos guy can go to friggin' Korea and hit like 40 homers, teams are going to be falling over each other to sign him in the MLB. So uh, that I can yeah. see why that's a good move. Could be a smart decision. You you mentioned, Jeremy, that Aaron Altair looked like a, a man among men. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He did. He did. I, he got he got struck out by Casey Kelly. It's funny because like you know all, all the other uh, all the Korean players were like just rip, ripping hits off of uh, off of this off of Casey Kelly, and then like Aaron Altair steps up and like just gets struck out, which I thought was <laughs> fun. Um, right, right. He could have just stayed in the in the MLB to get struck out by Casey Kelly, but they both had to <laughs> both had to go you know halfway across the globe to 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 you know fall into futility. Right. Uh, and there, there was one other player. I think he was on the Twins. His last name was Park. I think they said he was the all-time hits leader in KBO. Yes. Um, uh, Young, Take, Young Take Park, I think his name was. Yeah. Yeah. He looked like a big guy. He was a left-handed uh, batter. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he, he got a base hit, like, in the top of the eighth inning of that game. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's they said he'd been around for, like, 19 seasons. I think they said this is going to be his last year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a guy who just stuck around KBO forever. And he's like 40 something, like 41 or 42 or something. I would assume he would have to be if he's been around that long. Yeah. 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 No. So yeah, he, I did see a little bit of the LG twins. We should also say that the KBO teams, um, are owned by most of them are owned by corporations. So that's why LG twins is named after LG the, you know, you might have a cell phone by LG or something. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought Mm -hmm. it was an abbreviation for a city or something. No, because uh, like um, the uh, Latte or Lottie uh, Giants is named like they're like a candy company, I think. Yeah. Um, Samsung Lions is Samsung. Um, and uh, I don't know what NC and NC Dinos is, but uh, no, these are all. Well, actually, no, some of them are actually the NC Dinos, I think, are privately owned, but a lot of them are owned by corporations. Okay. Um, so yeah, LG is, is the electronics company, but I did watch some of that game and, uh, yeah, there was a guy, Young Take Park, I think is that, that guy, the hits King or whatever. There was another guy, uh, I want to say his name is, I only wrote ESJ. Uh, I think it's Yoon Song Che. Um, but these guys, they looked cool. They had like these round glasses. He, he, this guy batted before Park. So maybe you saw this guy too, Jack, but he had these like weird, like horn rimmed glasses, kind of like john lennon-y type but but not <laughs> quite like john lennon but like you know i i made it listen i 
rain delay theater listeners will know i like left-handed p- pitchers i like guys who have long hair i got i like guys who have glasses basically (laughs) now that i'm thinking about it but anyway these guys had cool glasses um and uh so i made note of that and they got they you know they looked fairly decent uh in their games so um i made notes of those two guys um so samsung or no uh who was the other team you saw uh it was uh dinos versus the twins oh the dinos okay so the dinos um someone uh posted uh like what team each player what like the mlb equivalent of each korean team basically yeah like the lottie giants were like the cubs um i wanted to say i forgot i i i want to say he the guy said that the nc dinos were kind of like the braves okay um but i was kind of thinking they were more like the rays uh because they were like they said that they were like a newer franchise i think that that one is independently owned um and uh yeah so they had they had a guy on that team uh, by the name of Sung Bum Na. Yeah. And uh, that guy is managed by Scott Boris. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I didn't know Boris's reach extended that far. I mean, the guy's like, you know, I mean, so what that clearly means is that he's going to play in the MLB one day or like right. at least attempt to. So Boris is like, you know, I guess jumping the gun a little bit and signing him while he's in KBO. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought he looked pretty good. He was kind of like a, just a big guy in stature, uh, left-handed hitter, uh, had some power. He hit a home run. He hit the first homer of the KBO season, um, in that first game that I watched. Um, and then he got like, uh, I think a double or just, just missed hitting another homer in that game. So he looked pretty good. He looked like he had some power. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there, there was that guy. There was the, uh, the catcher too, uh, that they've mentioned. Oh yeah. I forget what his name was, but they said he was one of the best hitters in the league, if not the best. Casey Kelly called him out specifically, and it was like, "This guy, this guy owns me." Um, okay. I forget what I forget what his name was, but uh, but yeah, he looked good too. Uh, a lot of home runs were like happening in that game. The stadium itself that I saw looked like it actually sat a lot of people, maybe twenty five, thirty thousand people. So it was a big stadium. It wasn't like a minor league stadium. Yeah. Um, so like when they actually have fans, um, you know, I imagine it must be pretty popular if the stadiums are that big. Uh, the fans who were there, actually, there were people watching from a parking structure, which I thought mm. was kind of funny. Uh, like, they had masks on, but they were like, there was a parking structure behind the stadium, and people were like, you know, people were perched uh, up there, like, with binoculars trying to watch the game, kind of like an Angels in the Outfield when, like, uh, you know, <laughs> they would, they, they went, they climbed up on that tree and tried to watch the game. So, like, people are still, even though they can't get in the park, they still want to, you know, they still want to watch, which is cool. Uh, also, the KBO teams had cheerleaders, yeah. which was weird because they weren't cheering for in front of anybody. They were just cheering on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. And I guess this can lead into like the whole kind of, uh, it's not necessarily lip service. I just like the, the misguided um, ESPN kind of slant to the broadcasts. Like they were talking about the cheerleaders and they were like, I think someone said like, Oh, you know, we wonder why they have cheerleaders going or no one in the stadium. And, you know, Eduardo Perez said, well, make no mistake about it. They're cheering for the fans at home. Uh, this is very popular and a lot of people are following from home. And it's like, okay, like, I guess so. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, I would say that it's just a chance to like kind of have some normalcy a little bit. Um, it was weird because some of them were wearing masks and stuff. So yeah, it was weird to see like a cheerleader in like, and, those cheerleaders, I mean, are wearing kind of like tight, short clothing, I guess. 
Um, but with the mask on, it was kind of like a weird mixture. Um, but the other thing that ESPN was like, kind of just like, and I, I, I really, I really don't want to complain about baseball, like broadcasting right now, because I'm just happy that there is some, but, um, man, oh man, ESPN, like they were just trying to like find the lowest common denominator to try to sell KBO to the fans. So they were just like, Oh, and don't forget the bat flips, lots of bat flips. Just check out the bat flips. Like when someone gets a big hit, watch out for that bat flip. Cause that's crazy. And then like, you know, the guy like gets a hit and like, Hey, did you see that bat flip? And it's like, man, come on, man. Like, listen, I get it. Like you're trying to like, uh, like sell the casual fan on Korean baseball, but please, man, like, just, just try to have some, some tact to like, uh, you know, your, your approach to this game is just kind of tiring a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't, don't try to start something that, that isn't there, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I guess it is something like, I, I mean, it is a thing, but it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like saying like, Hey, check out those batting gloves. Everyone's wearing like, can you believe those batting gloves? Like you got to tune into the game just to see the batting gloves. It's like, yeah, <laughs> whatever, man. Like, it's part of it, but it's not like there's a lot more going on that you could try to be selling people on. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that, that's true, Jeremy. I mean, you know, the baseball itself is actually, uh, it's actually pretty, it's good baseball. I mean, yeah. it's, it's at least, like they say, it's at least double A. So, yeah. um, I mean, like you said, maybe they're trying to attract a casual fan. Um, I don't know how many casual fans are actually turning into, tuning into something like this. It seems like more of a, a niche market. Uh, but I, I would I would argue that like bat flips, um, I'm kind of over bat flips uh, in American baseball. Like I'm just I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, I feel like it sort of jumped the sh- bat flips sort of jumped the shark after like Clint Hurdle got mad about like Javi Baez or Wilson Contreras uh, uh, flipping a bat. And just from there, I'm, I'm tired of it. So, you know, whether whether bat flips happen or not, you know, uh, you know, just let them happen. It's fine. Right, right. I think that the, the the tiresome point of it now is like just the maybe even unnecessary acknowledgement of them. It's like let it happen and just like move on. Like, you know, I this the whole hang up on like, oh, I'm going to hit a guy because he flipped his bat is like, yeah, you know what? If you actually didn't care about it, it wouldn't be a thing, you know? <laughs> so um, I don't know. Um, I, I like, you know, I, I'm fine with the emotion, but like, maybe you just act like it's part of the game and then like you don't have to make a big deal about it or it becomes less of a spectacle when it's an accepted part of the game. So. Right. Um, yeah. um, one more, one thing I like Jeremy about the KBO stuff, which is weird is that um, they had like cardboard cutouts of fans behind yeah. home plate. We should get, yeah, we, that, that could be a way we advertise rain delay theater, Jeremy, get a couple of those of us up there. Yeah. So sponsor some cardboard cutouts or whatever. Yeah. Be cool. Um, yeah, well, Jack, I, so there was an article, I think, in the New York Times this week about the CPBL, the Chinese Professional Baseball League, um, which actually started before uh, KBO, um, but I guess, you know, wasn't getting the, the deal with ESPN, so even less people were talking about that. But um, they had, um, not only did they have had, had uh, cut out fans in the stands, but they also had robotic fans in the stands. Jack, did you see any of these pictures? No, I didn't. Here's a picture on my phone that I'm showing you, Jack. It looks of, like that looks like Zach. It looks like Zach Granke. <laughs> well, it has about as much personality, probably, as Zach Granke, <laughs> the robot that is. You gotta, um, you gotta, you gotta post that, Jeremy, on. Uh... I did actually. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, it's on there. So like, yeah. And, but the funny thing is about this, the full size picture of that is like one robot like fell over or like, you know, mannequin, I guess, like fell over and like the head fell off or whatever. So if you look at this picture in a wider frame, you can see in the aisle, there's like one robotic fan, like in this, in the crowd with no head on and stuff. So oh, that's fine. it's just very odd. Um, uh, but, uh, but, you know, kudos to CPBL for doing that. Um, and actually now starting the, like yet, like today, I guess CPBL did allow fans in the stands. Oh, so really? They had fans, but they were sitting like, you know, distanced apart. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, CPBL seems to be like one step ahead of KBO, which clearly is several steps ahead of MLB right now because they're playing and MLB is not. So, um, so yeah, so that's pretty cool. And I've honestly, I've tried to track down some CPBL games, but um, I think that they like live stream on Twitter. It's, it's hard to find because I'm, there's, it's just, there's, I don't know what the official Twitter site is. So I'm still trying to track down some CPBL games, but I, I would give some of those a watch too. They say that those are somewhere in between uh, rookie ball and a ball. So, okay. Um, so yeah, so clearly a, a hierarchy there but um so okay so yeah Aaron Altair looks good um he, he looks like a giant uh he might you know he might do one of these things where he has a monster year or two and comes back to MLB or something uh I just hope the Cubs aren't the ones who pay out the nose for him um, his, his wife is a, a huge Trump supporter oh really oh yeah I don't know I was just fell down a rabbit hole like I, I saw Aaron Altair's Twitter and then I saw his, his wife was on there and then his wife retweets like Trump tweets. I don't know. I just, uh, <laughs> there's something that stuck out to me, but. Uh, All right. You know. Interesting. Um, well, uh, she, he, you know who else is a surprising Trump supporter is Christy Swanson from uh, movie, uh, cinema's Va Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I did not know this. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, know, I, was, I never watched, but I, I didn't watch too much Buffy, Jeremy. This was the movie, not the TV show. The original okay. movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, she was in some other greats from the uh from the 90s but um anyway so like uh let's talk about tyler saladino then tyler saladino is like batting third for um was it Sam is he on samsung yeah right the samsung yeah, lions yeah i think yeah samsung yeah um and uh i he got the first hit of the uh kbo season okay um, and uh he was um i think he went one for two with a walk or something or two walks in the first game that i saw but uh uh, so basically, the teams can have three American or three foreign players. Uh, I think two, maybe two, two pitchers and one position player. Yeah, or... they they say it's two pitchers and one position player. I'm not sure if there's leeway with that, but uh, that's what they, that's what I heard him say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so that means that Tyler Saladino is their one position player, I guess, on the roster. Wow. Okay. Mm. But yeah. So um, I mean, hey, bless bless the man. Like he, uh, you know. Um, like that's normally the kind of trajectory you see an American player playing in KBO is someone who, you know, bounced around with, for a couple of years in MLB was always kind of like on the fringe of the roster and just maybe can make a career out of, or at least make some money out of being in, in Korea or Japan. So, and then maybe come back and get like a two or three year fat contract in the MLB. It happened with Eric Thames. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, I mean, I, the same thing is not going to happen with Tyler Saladino. Tyler, no one's going to give Tyler Saladino three <laughs> years and fifteen million dollars. Probably um, not. Probably not. No, but uh, but yeah, the same. The same. What you just said, Jeremy. The same is true for Aaron Altair and uh, and also Casey Kelly. You know, just just guys who are kind of bouncing around the majors um, on the fringe. 
Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to follow and see if those guys – well, Casey Kelly played KBO last year, and he had a good year. He was kind of like Merrill Kelly, actually. He was like 14 and 12. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to follow uh, out there in Saladino and, you know, see how they do this year. There's one more guy, uh, non-native guy in the KBO named uh, Jose Fernandez. Uh, Jose Miguel Fernandez is his name. He's from Cuba, and uh, and he was um, playing – he was on the Angels and uh, ended up signing with KBO, I think, for this season. Uh, that The reason why that guy sticks out to me, Jack, is because I have uh, – to go back to the cards again, which we'll go to in a second as well. But um, I, I had, like, this, like, like really short-printed, like, autograph card of him, num- number to five. There's only, like, five of these things. Yeah. And, and I was, like, I got it. I was, like, hoping to sell that one for some money. And then he signed with KBO. And I'm, like, ah, crap. Like, there's no way – anyone's going to want to buy this card now. And I ended up selling it for like 10 bucks or something like way lower than I had hoped. And then when I saw that KBO was going to play, like be broadcast in MLB or on uh, ESPN, I was like, Oh crap, he's going to become like a star. And I sold that card for way too, too cheap. Um, right. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's really blown anything up the first week of, of, of gameplay, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so Definitely that Na Sung Bum is a guy, or Na Bung, Sung Bum Na, that's his name, uh, is a guy to look for uh, on the NC Dinos. There's another guy, Jay Huan Kim, who's a third baseman with the Doosan Bears. He's another guy to look uh, for. And, uh, yeah, maybe that Roberto Ramos guy, too, just to see what he does. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the look of that guy. I mean, he's kind of just like a big, uh, kind of like burly, left-handed hitting first baseman. So, uh yeah. Seems like a guy that's maybe never going to make it, but uh, yeah, uh, all, all the best to him. Um, we'll uh, the one thing, Jack, I wanted to bring up before before we move on. Uh, did you see the that pizza ad that's on the walls at the at the KBO games? No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> There's this ad. Um, it's it was like on the outfield wall, and a couple guys made like catches like right in front of it. But it's this, you know, ad on the outfield wall. Some stadiums it was behind home plate, and it's just like. It's like I think it's a pizza ad. It's like this like uh, guy dressed up as a chef, like a Korean guy, kind of like a little chubby and chubbier in the face, and he's making this like weird face into the cam and into the picture, like like that yeah. or something. And uh, um, it's kind of funny, like to have it just pop up randomly, like in the stadium. So if you do watch a KBO game, keep an eye out for that that Korean chef ad. Uh, it's pretty funny looking, and it's it's definitely it's, it would seem definitely seem distracting if you were like trying to pitch. And you saw it in the in the background, but uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny. So, um, okay, well, uh, and those games are gonna you know keep continuing. Um, they sh- they air live like at like anywhere from like midnight to like three a.m. Uh, Central Time, and uh, they replay them usually in the afternoon around like one p.m. Central Time. So, uh, yeah, so there you can catch them, um, you know, at a decent hour on tape delay, and odds are you know, you're not going to get a notification from your ESPN app spoiling the result for you. So I think, I think you could probably wait till that afternoon to watch the game if you're not a night owl like myself. <laughs> um, okay, Jack. So uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, so listen, I, I know we talk a lot about baseball cards and we've, we've done some baseball card stuff. Keep teasing the, the main episode. It'll happen one of these days. But um, I want to talk about this new, this new set of cards that's, uh, or series of cards that's coming out right now um from tops called uh project 2020 um so it's called project 2020 because 
they got 20 different artists to make their own version of 20 <coughs> different iconic baseball cards uh, from the past. Um, so some of the cards that they're reproducing are like the, the 2011 uh, Topps update Mike Trout rookie card, which is like a, you know, which is a card that's kind of jump-started the, the hobby again uh, in recent years, uh, just because it's so valuable right now. Um, they're recreating like the Roberto, I think most of them are rookie cards, but there's like the Roberto Clemente card. Uh, um, there's uh, the famous like Mariano Rivera Bowman card where he's wearing these like really just like totally stereotypical 90s clothes and he's like leaning up against a wall. Um, yeah, he's, he's got like a tucked in, it's not quite a golf shirt, but he's got like khaki pants on. It's yeah, a, it's, it's like a Tommy Bahama look, type of shirt. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say? Um, no, I just said he doesn't, he doesn't really look very cool, Jeremy. No, not uh, at all. He looks look like he's a, uh, about 50 years old when I think he's about, you know, 22. Um, right. yeah. uh, they also, uh, there's a cool Derek Jeter one as well. Derek Jeter is like, Derek Jeter's weird looking. Like he looks really young. Yeah, he looks like a little kid. It's, yeah. it's, it's like a draft pick card. So it's like when he was drafted by the Yankees. And uh, it, that card is weird in and of itself because it's like him, like kind of like with the background photoshopped out and he's just in front of like a, a green background. And it says like 1993 draft pick. Um, but yeah, so so those kinds of iconic cards, the, the Frank Thomas rookie card where he's like, it says number one draft pick and he's wearing his Auburn uh, uniform. Like that's one of the ones that they recreated. So in the end, since there's 20 cards, 20 artists, there's going to be 400 of these cards, okay? Um, they retailed for $20 each from Tops, which is pretty expensive for one card, $20. Um, but they're considered art cards and, you know, there's a lot of different, 20 different artists. So each one has their own, uh, um, interpretation of the cards. Uh, and it's, you know, baseball, the baseball card industry right now is like, there's so many different cards being put out, like different sets and different variations and all kinds of stuff. It can make your head spin. And a lot of it seems, could seem kind of bogus and, and just like, they're just, making stuff just to make money basically um and these cards from what i had been following with them kind of caught a lot of resistance at first a lot of people were like hey how, how, how dare they you know disgrace the mike trout card like he doesn't look like that whatever and uh just i it was definitely like an okay boomer situation where every everyone was like this is this is weird like why does this guy like one artist draws guys with no faces and they're like, what's this Cal Ripken card with no face? Like, what the hell is that? Uh, but what happened was, what's happening is that it's creating this crossover between like these like artists and art, like, you know, modern art culture um, and uh, modern pop art, I should say, and like, um, and baseball card collectors. So it's, so it's, they're, they're actually blowing up like crazy right now. And so a lot of these cards that were like underbought initially by like these, these, uh, you know, these doubting Thomases uh, are like now blowing up for crazy amounts of money. And I, I happen to have bought several of them. Uh, so I'm, and I bought and Hey, I'm a weird guy, I guess. I like, I have weird tastes. So I ended up buying a lot of the weirder ones. I think that people were afraid of. So it's crazy. Like how much these things are like blowing up in, in, in value. And it's kind of like, there's like now like Twitter accounts and like Instagram accounts and like Facebook pages devoted to like tracking the, the values of these cards, basically. Like the first one that came out of the Mike Trout uh, rookie card sold for 20 bucks. 
Um, it jumped to like, at some point it jumped to like 70 or 80 bucks. Then it jumped to like 270 uh, when like another one came out. Um, and then it jumped, it's, it, it, it's making, it's made these crazy jumps in prices. And right now it's worth about $500. Wow. It's crazy. Um, and like, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a stocks guy. I'm not a crypto guy, but like these things seem to be like jumping in popularity or jumping in value, like almost like Bitcoin does, uh, or has at some, did at one point, uh, you know, which cards do you have, Jeremy? So I have, um, I have, uh, a Cal Ripken card. Um, I wonder if I could snag them real quick here and at least show you on the uh, monitor here, but I have that first trout card. That's like worth $500 right now. I have a Cal Ripken card with no face, uh, that people were like freaked out by, um, for like, and that one's like up to like $300 right now. I mean, it's really, it's really crazy. Like how much these things are, are jumping in price now they're they're people are catching on and like, the print runs are high. So the other thing about it is that they're only available for two days and they only print as many as they sell. So they don't print extra ones that they can sell later on. It's like, if you want one after you miss, after the two days, you have to buy them from someone on eBay. And that's why the prices are going up on them. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so people were freaked out <laughs> by some of these and I, I happen to like them and, and uh, they're, they've just jumped in crazy prices. So yeah, it's, it's a wild thing, but uh, it's kind of uh, all part of this whole new, you know, this baseball cards are crazy right now. Uh, that Gary V, that financial guy, like said, like baseball cards are like the number one investment thing right now. And so it's kind of the reason why I'm bringing it up is it catch it's catching on outside of just baseball culture. I think it's like, I mean, for better or for worse, like maybe some like, you know, finance bros, as we say, or something, or like, these uh, day traders or whatever, like they're getting into like the baseball card game and it's kind of, it's raising the popularity and the value. It's also making some things harder to get, but it's like kind of like this booming thing right now. Okay. Wow. Well, Jeremy, are you going to sell that trout one? <laughs> you know, I did tell my friend I would sell it once it hit $500 and I'm not selling it. Um, at this point now, I'm going to try to like collect all 20 of the trouts or all 20 by the same artist and I don't know. I mean, the reality is I have a, you have a tougher time prying like the cards out of my, you know, cold dead hands than, uh, you know, you would, uh, um, getting a, a dollar out of, uh, some cheapskate or something, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I probably won't sell them. I mean, if I, I got it for like $18, if I'm not selling it for, you know, $400 and 82, $482 profit. I don't know what it'll take for me to sell it. <laughs> it's a, it's an investment. It's an investment. Right. Um, were there any, did you, were there any ones that stood out to you besides the Mariano Rivera? That one is pretty classic. Well, yeah, there, there was the, uh, so the Rivera one, I like the Jeter one. I like the, uh, uh, there was like a Ted, Will was it a Ted Williams one that was faceless maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one, that one is worth about a hundred and, eighty dollars right now or something like that okay okay <laughs> yeah and then uh uh th there was one where there, there wasn't even a guy's name on it but it was like a guy like maybe he was stealing a base or something but it didn't even have a name on it um yeah let me uh, see if I yeah let's see here um I'm yeah i'm trying to think some of the other guys tony gwynn is in there jeter um ken griffey jr um, okay yeah i actually i have him up here jeremy right now 
Um, oh, yeah, uh, it's a guy from the Padres. Oh, man, yeah, it's Tony Gwynn. That's got to be Gwynn. Um, yeah, so I like that one, too, because it didn't even have his name on it. It's just, uh, it just like, all, like the, the letters where the name is supposed to be, they're just, like, like colored triangles. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that then, guy uh, – oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, so I just said uh, – so that's, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty cool looking, I think. Um, yeah, that guy is cool. I think and then there's a Mark, a Mark McGuire one where he looks like a dog, I think, or something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's no, he's not a he's not a dog. He's just like a, a cartoon character. But like, uh, yeah. So that that one's that one's interesting too. Yep, that would be Jack. Uh, this one right here. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, you got that one. Okay, I like yeah, that one. That one's th funny. This one is like worth a hundred dollars right now. Is it really? Yeah. It's crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, so, um, yeah, project tops project 2020 and they have an Instagram, uh, where they're like posting all the different cards. So that's, um, I think it's project 2020 tops project 2020 or something like that. Yeah. At tops project 2020. Um, so check those out and also follow us at rain delay pod while you're at it. But, um, but yeah, so that, that's a thing that's happening. Um, so, uh, Jack, you know, I might uh, make enough to retire uh, from the podcasting game with these cards. <laughs> Which is, again, again, maybe about the fourth time I've, I've talked about my exit strategy <laughs> from, from, from this podcast. So. <laughs> um, certainly, you can't be feeling uh, too comfortable right now. Um, Jack, another thing that's going on is uh, the, the Last Dance, which is basketball, not baseball. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talking about the Bulls and Michael Jordan. And so inevitably they were going to talk about the Jordan White Sox uh, stint. And that episode aired uh, yesterday um, where they got into the, the years where he played baseball for the White Sox. Um, and Jack, you're, you're saving, you're banking it up, right? Cause you're going to, you're just going to. Uh, yeah. I'm planning on binging it, Jeremy. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, uh, I don't know what they talk about on there. I've seen the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Jordan rides the bus, which I thought, I thought was pretty interesting. Probably, uh, from what you were telling me, a more comprehensive look at his minor league career than what yeah. they give on the last dance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, even though it is a 10 part series, it's mostly about, you know, the bulls. Uh, so, um, one episode in particular just talks about him retiring and talking about the baseball, but um, it was kind of a couple interesting notes that I found out from the episode. Number one is that I didn't realize this, but the news of Jordan um, retiring from basketball leaked uh, during the White Sox Blue Jays 1993 ALCS game one. Oh, wow. So Jordan like threw out the first pitch at the game and um, I guess he told Jerry Krause that night or something that he was going to uh, retire and it, it leaked out. Um, and so like Pat, they show this clip of Pat O'Brien breaking in uh, during the game saying like, there's rumors that Jordan is retiring. And of course the White Sox are in the ALCS and like, you know, the news is overshadowed by Michael Jordan. So I thought that was a funny, that was a humorous, uh, you know, side thing. Um, to his career uh and you know the white Sox were the victim there um he also started off his minor league career with a 13 game hitting streak which i did not realize that, that. wow yeah they did say that like no one was throwing him any breaking balls <laughs> um, uh -huh. during that time uh so once they did then he went into a major slump uh, um, well, uh, i was gonna say why were they just going easy on him or because he was michael jordan 
I don't, they didn't really explain why um, he, some guy was just saying like, yeah, you know, I don't think he saw one uh, non fastball for those first two weeks or something. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they were taking it easy on him or they just weren't challenged. Like maybe they were, they were pitching to him like they would pitch to a pitcher. Like right. Just, you know, just not showing him, not showing off the good stuff, I guess, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, but he had a 13 game hitting streak, which is crazy. Uh, and then once they started pitching to him, like he struggled mightily. But um, they talked to this one guy. Um, it's kind of cool. They talked to Terry Francona and they talked to this guy, Mike Barnett, who was apparently he was the Birmingham Barons hitting coach um, uh, under Francona. So he worked with Jordan and he helped teach Jordan how to hit like breaking balls, basically. Um, yeah. But it's funny because this guy, he's just a coach. Like I think he, he you know, maybe played college. I don't even think he hit the majors. Mike Barnett is his name. Um, but he, um, he kind of comes across as a total kiss ass to Jordan. He's like, yeah. he's like, there's no guy who worked harder, you know, in the whole time that like, that I, like that I was a coach, no one worked harder than Jordan. And this guy was just really giving it all. He didn't have to, and he really tried and it really meant a lot to him. He wanted to, he didn't want any freebies. He wanted to earn his way and stuff. And I was just thinking like, this guy probably became friends with Jordan during the time with, together on the Birmingham Barons. And he probably like, Jordan probably like, you know, hooks him up with dinners or tickets or whatever, like drives him around in his Lamborghini. So Mike Barnett is like, his job is to like make Jordan like look good. And like, you know, he can do no wrong. And I think he's just like still kind of like kissing his ass from like, you know, however many years ago that was 20 something years ago. Right. Yeah. This is just Victor Garcia Parra all over again, you know, mm-hmm. just, uh, mm-hmm. just, just one more jock sniffer. Exactly. That's, that, that's totally what it is. It's funny. I mean, uh, he's just like a, yeah, career coach. Uh, but, uh, I have a feeling that Jordan is still hooking him up with something. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jeremy, uh, this is unconfirmed, but I, I do think that Jordan actually hit one home run in the minor yeah. leagues. I don't know if they talked about that. But. They show it. Yeah, they show the footage of it. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it's just cool to see this footage, um, if nothing else. So, um, so yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, so, um, well, let's, Jack, what do you say? Let's get into, um, let's get into Rain Delay Theater uh, history class. Class is in session, Jack. Yeah, I like it, Jeremy. Um, uh, in this segment, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, players who are a little bit before our time we never really knew about it's a good chance for us to kind of uh become more familiar with guys who uh you know who 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 we never had a chance to see yeah exactly and um and certainly for the listeners as well if you uh, are unfamiliar with these guys um it's a little history lesson on uh you know players from from uh from yesteryear um we're each to for, for right now for this uh, episode we're each going to do one player but um, I think, you know, Jack, this is going to give us a chance to like, you know, we'll, we'll be able to kind of put these out intermittently as like super mini-sodes where, um, you know, we'll, we'll, each little mini-sode will we'll feature like a different guy. Uh, it'll, they'll be, you know, fairly short, but uh, hopefully informative. And yeah. we'll drop them like, you know, periodically in, in the, you know, in our feed um, going forward. Uh, so I think it'll be a nice thing uh, for getting some content out there and also getting to learn about some different guys. Well, Jeremy, uh, uh, did you want to go first? Who was the guy yeah. you had? All right. Yeah. So Jack, so for, for, for my first guy for uh rain delay theater history class, uh, I wanted to talk about Andre Thornton. 
Um, so Jack, had you, did you, were you familiar with Andre Thornton at all? You know, I, I never, i never heard of him, Jeremy. Okay. So, so Jack, this is one, and I know we've talked about this before, um, about how we kind of came to know guys, even guys who were like slightly before our time or like when we were really young, Jack, I believe, uh, well, for me, I can say for myself, it was through baseball cards. Um, like I just, there were some guys who I never saw play, but I knew their baseball cards really well. Um, and Jack, for you, what would you say it was like Strato? Yeah, I would say uh, I would say Stratomatic, Jeremy. Um, uh, definitely old baseball cards too that I would look at around you know around the house as well. Um, but yeah, Stratomatic was a big one. There were a lot. Well, we I, we started playing in 1994, um, and there were a lot of guys who were like uh, finishing up like the end of their career in 1994. Um, yeah. Who I read about now, a guy like John Milner who was still playing, I oh. think in 1994. I was like, oh, I was reading about him when I when I was reading about Dave Parker or like Willie McGee. Might have might have been in that '94 game, maybe. But okay. so yeah, Jeremy, that was a big that was a big one for me. That was a big gateway for me. Yeah, and I think all that stuff is really cool. Um, Andre Thornton was like I like I kind of like this is actually not even in my like this is a guy who I who didn't end up sticking with me um, when I was younger. Uh, but uh, I in recent years I had been looking at um, uh, his like. 1987 tops baseball card um and yeah. i looked at the back of i'm like who's this guy and i looked at the back of his, his card and he had some pretty good numbers uh so it, it made me wonder like how did i not you know catch this guy earlier and he you know made some all-star games or all-star teams and everything so so yeah so my guy is andre thornton um he uh it, it seems like at the beginning of his career he went by went as andy thornton Okay. Um, but he was signed. So this is an interesting. First thing that was interesting to me is that he was signed as an amateur free agent by the Phillies in 1967. Uh, so he played, I should say he played from 1973 to 1987, 14 years. Uh, he was drafted. Yeah. So he was drafted as a amateur free agent, which like, I, you know, or he was signed as a, I should say he was signed as an amateur free agent. So um, just right off the bat, that kind of like, kind of, jumps out at me a little bit because I mean, I don't, I, I guess we're to assume then that he just wasn't drafted. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, th things were so different back then, yeah. Jeremy, with the draft that like, who, who the heck knows what the situation was, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think just basically like thinking about it is like, you know, guys, um, you're either like drafted in the what 25 rounds of, uh, you know, the draft that there are, except for this year. Um, and like it's very rare that someone is like signed you know to camp like it seems like if they don't get drafted they you end up playing like independent ball or something right and, you know getting seen but like so i just an undrafted uh or yeah an amateur free agent is just a weird term anyway so he was signed by the uh, phillies uh, in 1967 this guy this guy was traded a lot in his career um especially before he kind of like got going but he at one point he got traded to the uh Atlanta Braves uh, in 72. And then he was ultimately traded uh, from the Braves to the Cubs in 1973 for Joe Pepitone. Um, now, Joe Pepitone is another guy that I don't really know too much about, uh, who maybe maybe I'll feature him one time. I kind of know his name. I know that he was an old Yankee, and they, he was mentioned in Seinfeld a couple times. So that's how uh -huh. I know Joe Pepitone. And he, he, Joe Pepitone also has some good numbers. Um, but he was traded. Uh, so Pepitone uh, left the Cubs. Um, for uh for uh andy thornton um he so then that was in may of 73 he ended up debuting in july of 73 
Um, and um, he played, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he, he, he like played, let's see, uh, four years, three years and parts of a fourth with the Cubs. Um, had some uh, decent numbers. In 1975, he hit 18 homers and batted uh, 293, which is pretty good. 76, he got traded. Um, and uh, he got traded to the Montreal Expos for Larry Bittner and Steve Renko. Uh, Steve Renko is a, just a random Expo guy who I have a baseball card of. Larry Bittner was a guy who I have seen in baseball cards. Um, but uh, And then later on, so then that was in May. Then in December of 76, he was traded to the Cleveland Indians, which is really where he like made his, his mark. So uh, in this, for the 77 Indians, um, he hit 28 homers, batted 263. Uh, the 78 Indians, he hit 33 homers, 105 RBIs, uh, batted 262. And then um, for the 79 Indians, he hit 26 homers. Uh, our, uh, batting average dipped a little bit but uh three really solid years there for the indians um one footnote of of his his life basically was in 1977 he was involved in a this is the tragic part of his 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 story is he was involved in a car accident in 1977 uh and his wife and like one of his kids i think died in the accident but him and his another kid survived um so pretty brutal um wow in kind of like the height of his career i would say um you know right as he was taking off in 1977 he he had this this really tragic uh car accident um and uh so he you know he he still played uh those three years but in 1980 he had like a really bad knee injury i guess in a spring training game um and he this is kind of a weird thing like so he yeah he had a this really bad injury and uh he had surgery done and it didn't heal correctly. And so um, the front office got mad at him because he wasn't coming back uh, soon enough. Um, but yeah. he, he claimed, you know, the, the knee still didn't feel right. And eventually it came out that he had to get like a second uh, knee surgery. Um, and so he lost the whole 1980 season, did not play at all in 1980. Um, and then in 81, at some point he like broke his hand at some point. Um, and uh then also the strike happened in 81. So he only ended up appearing in 69 games in 1981. Um, did not do so hot. Six homers and a 239 ER or 239 batting average. But then he came back and in 82, he made the all-star team, hit 32 homers, 116 RBIs, and batted 273. Um, 83, he kind of, uh, uh, I think they might have platooned him a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, 80, 84, again, an all-star appearance, um, 33 homers, 85 was pretty good, 22 homers, 86, 17 homers. So, and, and uh, you know, decent averages most of those years. Um, he hit as high as 281 in 1983. So um, he put together, I would say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about eight solid years, maybe nine, actually. Um, and then in 87, uh, he, so once he came back from that knee injury, he pretty much became like a DH. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. His, his numbers look good, Jeremy, um, for some of those years, uh, especially for a guy who's just kind of been lost for the ages. Um, yeah. You know, uh, especially like, yeah, his numbers in 82, that, that's, that's really quite a bounce back after, um, 
you know, after, after having sat out an entire year and then sat out most of the year, you know, because of maybe the injury, but also the strike. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, he played in 161 games in 1982, um, which is, which is pretty impressive. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with this guy. Yeah. And I, I should say, speaking of comeback player of the year, he, he won the comeback player of the year in 1982. Oh, so, okay. Just okay, to well, tie in. You're the Brewers made the world series. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. So, and to tie into our uh, last episode of Comeback Players of the Year. Um, right. We didn't go that far back, but he did win in 1982. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that's pretty much, that's like, you know, his tale of, of his numbers. Uh, it's said that he like pretty much um, toiled in obscurity, even though he was doing great for the Indians. Like those teams were just so bad those years that and there was never anyone in the stadium that it just, it kind of hurt his, um, you know, his recognition, his like name recognition um, overall in the league, because just it would be the equivalent of playing on like um, the A's or something, or like, or the A's even when they're like not com- competing, like not only is no one watching them, but no one's at the games either. And um, you know, it's just hard to kind of break through in the mainstream, I guess. Um, so definitely playing in Cleveland in those years hurt his uh, his uh, career. Um, he uh, ended up retiring at the end of the 1987 season. Um, and then afterwards, just a couple kind of fun notes about him. He uh, apparently owned some chains of Applebee's. Oh, okay. <laughs> Applebee's okay. restaurant. Um, so, Jack, maybe one of these days when we go to see, uh, you know, a minor league basketball game well we can take in a meal at applebee's or something yeah and then think of andre thornton right exactly um yeah at some point he became andre thornton too and not andy thornton um he was a ceo and president of some of a, a, a sub global supply chain company which i'm not really sure what that means i don't know if that means office supplies or what right um he was inducted into the indians hall of fame in 2007 um, oh wow yeah, so you know, not uh, you know, certainly not the baseball Hall of Fame, but he was enshr- he's enshrined in the uh, Indians Hall of Fame, so that's pretty cool. He was it seemed like he was very flattered uh, to to be included in that. So um, he is still alive. Uh, he's uh, seventy years old, um, originally from Tuskegee, Alabama, um, and uh, yeah, just a guy, two-time All-Star, Silver Slugger winner, um, two hundred fifty-three career homers. Uh, so a guy who like, you know, I'm sure people who are a little older, older than us probably know him. I'm sure that he's probably like a fan favorite for some Indians fans. Uh, but for you and me, Jack, just a guy slightly before our time, but someone that we should probably know. So that's my guy for the for this yeah. episode, Andre Thornton. All right, Jeremy. Well, uh, yeah, thank, thank you for the info. Yeah, he certainly was not on my radar. So, uh, so I like it. Um, and well, well, I guess everybody knows uh, who I'm doing. Uh, the, the aforementioned uh, Dave Parker. Um, nice. Jeremy, uh, nicknamed the Cobra, nicknamed Cobra. Jeremy, have you, have you ever seen the, the movie Cobra starring Sylvester Stallone? I did just, I saw Cobra, um, maybe three or four years ago. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah, first so time. Cool. yeah, Jeremy, I, lo- I love the start of that movie when like, there's that guy, he's like, uh, he's, he's like hijacked the grocery store and yes. like, you know, Cobra is the only one who can save the situation. So Cobra just like waltzes into this this taken over grocery store and this, this hijacker is like, I'll blow up this whole store. And, and Stallone goes, go ahead. I don't shop here. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that's good. So Dave, Dave Parker, I think he was mainly called the Cobra because he was six five two thirty, 
Uh, those were his vitals. Um, so it was just, I think, mainly because he was just like a big, a big guy. Uh, he's from, uh, he, was, he was born um, in 1951 in Grenada, Mississippi. Um, I'm not, Grenada, I'm not sure if that's where Alan Sherman went to camp. Um, and I, I'm not sure if that, uh, I'm not sure if that reference is too obscure for, oh my uh, God. for people. Yeah. Well, I'll, listen, for, uh, two guys, for two, for, uh, you know, for fans who don't know Dave, if they don't know Dave Parker and Andre Thornton, I don't think they're going to know <laughs> Alan Sherman's Camp Granada. Yeah. Al, yeah. yeah. Well, well, Google, Google it folks. If you want, if you want to, if you want some, a, a, a really great laugh, uh, during, <laughs> this, during this quarantine, listen to Alan Sherman's Camp Granada. Um, <laughs> Okay, so uh, so let's see what what else we got here, Jeremy. So he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 14th round in 1970 um, uh, out of a high school in Cincinnati, Ohio. Just like Andre Thornton, he made his uh, major league debut in 1973 for the Pirates. Uh, played about 10, 11 years for them. Jeremy, he won two straight batting titles in 1977 and 78. Uh, 70, 70 at 338, 78 he hit uh, 334. Uh, also in 1978, I think he was the NL MVP. He, uh, he hit 30 home runs and drove in 117 runs. So he was really a force to be reckoned with. He won a couple of gold gloves. He was a seven-time All-Star. Uh, he, he, and he also uh, uh, was a two-time World Series champion. Um, he, was, he was the champ at uh, the 1979 Pirates. Uh, uh, the We Are Family Pirates, I think that was them. They would play the song We Are Family. Um, they, they won the World Series. And he also, uh, later in his career, uh, in 1989 with the Oakland A's, uh, he won a World Series with them as well. Jeremy, I don't really think of, uh, think of Dave Parker when I think of the, uh, those Oakland A's teams. No. Uh, you know, for a guy... A couple of them. Yeah, yeah. For a guy, it's funny, like, for a guy as big as Dave Parker to think of him in like those Oakland A's colors. It just doesn't, just doesn't look right. Um, no, but that's getting more into the years that I, you know, remember him. Uh, um, he had a stint there with the Reds that I kind of remember him on as a little bit and the California angels. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he also, uh, towards the tail end of his career, I think it was uh, 1990. He was on the uh, Milwaukee Brewers as well. Yeah. That was 1990. He made the all-star team with the Brewers his age 39 season. Yeah. I see that. Uh, yeah, so he actually, yeah, so that was, uh, he was mostly a DH, I believe, uh, at that point, once he got to the AL. Uh, Jeremy, he was the first baseball player to earn a million dollars per year in 1979. Before that season, he signed a five-year, $5 million contract with Pittsburgh. Um, he was also famous for his cocaine use. Um, he, was, uh, he was a part of the Pittsburgh drug trials in 1985, along with a bunch of other ball players like Keith Hernandez, uh tim rains uh to name a few rock uh that was at, what's that rock rains <laughs> is that what they would call him that was his nickname rock rains and it was uh because he did cocaine i think there's like a rumor i think there's a rumor with tim rains specifically that like he was like on first base and he dove back into first and like a bag of like coke fell out of his pocket or something well they, he said he would keep tim Raines would keep coke on himself he would keep like a little glass vial of it in his back pocket and that was why he would always slide head first so the vial wouldn't break and he would he would actually do coke during the games so <laughs> yeah co cocaine use was running rampant uh in the 1980s uh in baseball and dave parker was sort of implicated in this whole this whole trial and uh, like like all the other ball players, he testified against the drug dealers for immunity. Uh, the commissioners suspended him 
uh, quotes uh, and, and some of these other guys for like a year. But this, this, uh, they suspended the sentence, to quote the Godfather. Um, they, uh, the guys never actually had to serve the suspension. They just had to do community service and put like 10% of their salaries um, towards like uh, anti-drug charities, whatever. Um, so uh, bottom line, this was all before the 1985 season. Dave Parker uh, goes out in 1985 and has a great year for the Cincinnati Reds. He made the all-star team that year. A lot of people think he probably should have been the MVP in 1985. He had 42 doubles, which led the league, 34 home runs, 125 RBIs, and he hit 312. Uh, but Willie McGee ended up uh, winning the MVP in 1985. They think that's because of the drug stuff, that like the, the baseball writers didn't want to make him the MVP because of the cocaine scandal. Uh, which, which now I feel like maybe that wouldn't happen. You know, it's like, uh, you'd be like, Oh, that this guy overcame his drug problem and had a great season. You know, he would be, he'd be lauded for it maybe, but, uh, yeah. So, so Willie McGee, who's one of like the stranger MVP choices, um, in the history of the, the award, uh, stranger looking. (laughs) So there is, there is a, a bit of an asterisk, um, uh, there, as far as that goes. Uh, yeah, a little bit more about Dave Parker. Um, one time he wore a hockey mask, Jeremy. Um, I think he had been I – can't, I can't remember if it was because, like, he collided with somebody at the plate or he had been hit in the face or something like that. But he wore a hockey mask during the game um, in lieu of, like, the, uh, the extended ear flap. Uh, so you can, actually, you can actually find pictures of that online, which is uh, – yeah, which, which is pretty cool. And he looks scary. He looks like Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th movies. Um, after his career, he got into coaching. I think he was a first base coach with the Angels for a while. They considered him like uh, he was like the Muhammad Ali of uh, baseball as far as like catchphrases and stuff. He would say a bunch of crazy stuff. He was really brash. One quote is like, when the leaves turn brown, I'll be wearing the batting crown. Uh, so he would say a bunch of stuff like that. Um, uh, so, yeah, he was a, he was a colorful, uh, colorful character uh, on and off the field. He apparently had a cannon for an arm. And uh, I guess he's got a book coming out uh, as well. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe either this year or next year. Jeremy, the big question with Dave Parker is: uh, Is he Hall of Fame worthy? Um, he's been. He, he did not originally, obviously, get elected, but he uh, he's been on the Veterans Committee committee ballot a couple of times. His career numbers: three hundred thirty-nine home runs, two ninety career batting average over eighteen seasons from nineteen seventy-three to nineteen ninety-one. Um, and also he won, he won pretty much everything he could win two world series, three gold gloves and MVP, uh, two batting titles and, uh, uh, seven time all-star. So it's, I I'd say it's pretty debatable whether he is, he's like, he's like a really good borderline case. I would sure. say looking at his career numbers, like probably not, but there's certainly like, you know, the way they're electing people in the hall of fame nowadays, I'd say he certainly would have a case. Yeah, that's, that's fair to say. I mean, uh, you know, 290 batting average, you got to like a lot. Um, yeah, good amount of homers, 339. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so this is interesting. Dave Parker is a guy who, like, I definitely remember from cards. I, I even remember a little bit, like, I kind of, like, was aware of him as a player, like, you know, um, when I was really, really young. Uh, but I had no idea of his, like, life, of his career before 1986, I would say. Yeah. Like, to me, I remember him – on cards as a red and uh yeah like i said the the oakland a's the california angels but um it wasn't until i saw a um a special so uh i was i at at my job um we were we had you know we have satellite 
like access to a lot of broadcasts. And so they were showing like a Pirates broadcast and um, it might've actually been during Rain Delay Theater. They showed um, a special on the 1979 We Are Family Pirates. Yeah. And it was this special, like I wish I could get a hold of it because it's like one of the, the coolest baseball specials I ever saw. And obviously there was a lot going on with that 1979 Pirates team. Um, and they talked extensively about Dave Parker in that. And I just, um, I gained like a new uh, um, appreciation of Dave Parker from watching that. I mean, the guy was, I mean, almost like, I guess maybe you could maybe consider him to like a Frank Thomas, maybe just yeah. like, just like a huge guy, just like a big hulk of a person who seemed maybe like he was almost like should have been a, maybe a football player or maybe even just too big to be a baseball player. Yeah, but, well, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, I think he did play football in high school too. Okay, uh, and I th yeah. So uh, maybe Frank Thomas did as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I he definitely too big to be a baseball player for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like this guy could have been like a a lineman, if not like a you know a killer linebacker or something, um, or a tight end maybe even. But uh, but yeah, but just seemed like a huge guy that like you never would have thought like you know maybe he had speed or or had. Uh, like uh, batting acumen, but I mean, he had a good amount of triples in his career too. Um, uh, he had 10 in 1975, uh, 12 in 1978. I mean, I think players in general were hitting more triples back then, but um, uh, just had some mo monster numbers a lot of years. Played a, played a lot of games too when he was healthy. I think he just battled a lot of injuries. It looks like um, from like 81 – well, 81, maybe that's – he played the entire year because that was a strike short year. But uh, it looks like he lost a lot of time in 82. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I feel like there are stories that Dave Parker had some troubles. I don't know if it was just injuries or off-the-field stuff. I, obviously, this, the, the drug scandal. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, interesting tale of a guy who, you know, played in the 70s and uh, – early eighties when that cocaine thing was big. I know Willie Wilson was another guy. I think that was like, you know, implicated in the, the cocaine uh, situation. And, um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, one more thing, Jeremy, I was going to say, uh, uh, I also came across the fact that he owned several Popeye's chicken franchises. Oh, nice. Yet, yeah. yet another place that rain delay theater can, can, uh, go. That's, yeah. that's something. For sure. Uh, I'm wondering if we have, we, we actually, we, <laughs> on our route uh from your apartment jack to wrigley field we definitely do pass a popeyes so and we do we do I, maybe I, maybe, I, maybe next time yeah i've gotten pre-game popeyes with my dad before um but uh yeah so that's that's a good one jack i that's definitely a guy who i would like to you know see some game footage of like more game footage of because he is just like a hulk of a guy and uh yeah i would probably say like a frank thomas maybe is someone who you would kind of equate him to uh from someone who, from an era of people who we, you know, definitely a guy from our era um, who we might know. And uh, yeah, I was trying to think of like, if we can name guys who like, you know, these guys would be equivalent to modern day. Oh um, yeah. Andre Thornton's a tough one. I mean, I was thinking like Jason Worth or something like a guy who like, didn't have like a big, uh, don't, don't, don't do that. To Andre Thornton. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, like a guy who, you know, took a while to develop, um, but then had some, had a, a short, but good, good run there. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dave Parker, these are these, you know, Dave Parker's a, a tough one cause he was just such a, like a big dude and just a, 
Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, Jeremy, maybe like actually, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go there with it, um, maybe a guy like uh, like Jose Bautista or something like that for Andre Thornton. Although, like, yeah. I feel like I feel like when Bautista was good, his star burned a little brighter than Andre Thornton's did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I might I might hesitate to make that comparison. Um, but yeah, so that that's a that that's a tough one, Jeremy. But uh, but yeah, definitely worth thinking about for Andre Thornton. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, yeah, so that's a good one, Jack. Uh, so a lot of good info there. Um, and I think that there's, um, uh, I think that there is an MLB Network special about Dave Parker. Um, yeah. Just entirely about him. So that would definitely be a nice companion piece to uh, put together with uh, this history lesson from uh, from Rain Delay Theater. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think that'll kind of wrap it up here for us, Jack. Right yes, now. I think it will, Jeremy. All right, cool. Well, um, we hope you enjoyed that. Uh, you know, and like I said, we'll be, we'll be bringing you some more of those things. And uh, I mean, yeah, just from looking at just, I've in recent years, I've looked up like, you know, just random old baseball players and a lot of them have a, a story, a little story. So it's definitely something that I think is worth sharing with people. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be coming to you with more of those. Uh, but for now, uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, so I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. Uh, we'll see you next time. Um, take care. All right, later. later.